Welcome to episode number 175 of the Lions podcast presented by BetMGM. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrus and a very special guest this week. The one, the only, from his homeland across the pond over there, Brad Allen joins us to talk the I mean, I guess it's just the Open Championship now. What happened to British Open? Steven, what's the deal? Why can't I call it the British Open anymore? Well, I, I will say this. Phil Mickelson just tweeted this morning that way back when in the, I don't know, late 1800s or 1900s that somebody, I got to look it up in a minute here. But Brad, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is British Open acceptable or not? What? Yeah. Why can't I call it the British Open anymore? Like I, every, I called it the British. I grew, I grew up. It was called the British Open when I grew up. Like I don't know what's going on. You, you call it what you want. I mean, I think people <laughs> who start getting funny about this sort of thing and calling football soccer like they need to grow up. So call it what you want. <laughs> all right. I'm just like I was sitting here and I, I'm doing all this research and everybody is writing the Open Championship and I'm and I, I'm like, so have we really just canceled British Open now? I can't say I can't, I can't say British Open. Am I gonna here we get- go? Here, here's what Phil Mickelson said. Every year I come over here and there's a debate on if it's the Open or the British Open. The Earl of Airly referred to it as the British Open when awarding Bobby Jones the Claret Jug in 1930 at Hoylake. Both are acceptable. Sunglasses emoji. All right. So, all right. So there we have it. So I feel, I feel zero guilt then from now on calling it the British open. So, uh, and just to, just to get people's panties in a wad, I'm going to call it the British open this entire podcast for that. How about that? Um, all right. So guys, we're at Royal St. George's club in, uh, Kent, England here, 7,204 yards, par 70. This place has hosted 14 opens. The last one was played here in 2011. Darren Clark won that year at five under. We're going to get 156 players, top 70 and ties make the cut. Now we are not going to have the full, full field here. We've had some withdrawals. Siwoo Kim and Sung JM have withdrawn because they're going to try to make the Olympics because they're trying to avoid having to do the mandatory military service that you have with uh, South Koreans. And so with that, they uh, if you make a if you medal in the Olympics, they don't make you do that 20 month um, military service. So they have said, yeah, well, we'll, we'll we got plenty of majors to come down the line. We're going to try to we're going to try to avoid this. Whole I mean, military that is service the major thing. of majors for South Korea. Yes. Let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so they have withdrawn Bubba Watson, Zach Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama for some sort of COVID reason, one way or another, either testing positive or close contact have all withdrawn. Matt Wolf pulled out. He didn't really even, even say why he was pulling out. Do you, Steven, did you hear why? Matt Wolf pulled out? No, he did not provide a reason, um, but it could be anything with him, so I I won't speculate. And then Kevin Na pulled out due to the uh, very strict restrictions that are going on for this, and he said that it was too much for him, and so he pulled out. Now, speaking of those restrictions, it's going to be a very strict bubble situation going on over there. There, Once you get over there, players, you're not allowed to go just eat at whatever restaurant you want to or any of that type stuff. That all has to be uh, kept in and, uh, you know, from a caddy perspective, which kind of sucks because some of these guys, you know, don't make a ton of money and all that. Like you're not allowed to be in without outside of your 
your little camp, if you will. So you can't really mix camps like a lot of these caddies will share rental properties and stuff whenever they're on the on the road to kind of split costs up and things like that. They're not going to be able to do that. So it's really, really strict this year as to how that's all going to be playing out. So we'll keep an eye on, you know, some of the comments coming out of of over there as well, just how this is affecting any of these guys as we head into tee offs. Um, so let's talk about the course here, guys. And this is, you know, your typical uh, links course ish, right? Because a lot of links courses, whenever you miss the fairway, you end up in another fairway, just the way the links courses are laid out. But here at this course, there's actually rough. And not only is there rough, there's actually very penal rough. There's a, a first cut of rough, which they said is still going to be kind of bad to hit out of. And then there's like a deep cut of rough, which is supposed to be a nightmare to hit out of. So it's not like your your 100% typical links course here. It's it's certainly got links course properties, but but guys are going to have to guys are going to have to hit fairways or they're going to be playing out of out of roughs or they're going to be hitting out of these these huge pot bunkers. Brad, when you look at this course and you were kind of starting to to look at it and break it down, what about this course in general did stand out to you? Um, I think accuracy here is gonna is gonna be more important than pretty much most most tour, most courses on the European and um, PGA tour. Like you know, if you hit it in one of these bunkers, like you you're probably not you're not making par. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't even really look at like sand saves because I think if if you're in the bunker, the shot's already gone. So I, I want you to be very accurate off off the fairway, uh, off the tee, and then obviously once you're in the fairway with your irons as well. Um, and then I suppose it just for the tournament in general, I, th- I was just looking a lot at experience. Um, obviously, I, w- I want you to have played a lot of links golf. Um, you know, you look at the trends here and historically, you want to have played a lot of links. You want to play a lot of the open before you can win one of these because it, it is a unique type of golf. It's, it's, it, this isn't what they're playing every every week. Um, so, yeah, open open experience, links experience and then accuracy with your irons and, and off the tee is, is what, what I was looking at. Steven, we know like the the fairways here, guys could guys could hit the actual fairway and still be playing off of a weird shot. They're sloping. They they you know, they have weird kind of bumps and things along the way. Um, You're also going to see around the green some really tricky kind of play around the green as well. We've seen some of the classic highlights of a pulse just rolling all the way back. And, you know, we're going to need guys to have at least a little bit of, uh, you know, some of the game around the green as well and then of course let's not skip over the big thing here and that's going to be the weather and you know we're talking about you know wind that's going to be coming off the English channel for sure um how much of it and when is going to be the real question here one of the things I've done in the past and I think I'm going to do again this year now that's not to say I don't have some bets in my account because I do but I add later whenever it pretty much as close to tee off as we can to get the latest weather report and to see if it favors the first wave or the second wave, because we have seen this time and time again um, in the open championship. I mean, if we remember way back when Rory comes out, shoots a 63 and then follows that up with an 80 because he got the round, you know, he got the wave of death on, on Friday. And so, um, you know, that was one of the other things that really stood out to me. What, when you were doing the course research, what really stood out to you? 
Yeah, that was the first thing I looked at was the wind in the early forecast right now looks like uh, sustained 15 mile per hour winds during the tournament. And I would assume um, defer to Brad, the, who knows the weather over there a lot better than I would. But I assume there's going to be some gusting to go along with those sustained 15 mile per hour winds at times. Uh, so so we'll see. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, what Brad said, I totally agree with, um, accuracy off the tee matters more to me than power. Uh, I have fairways gained in my model this week. I have a little bit heavier emphasis on strokes gained on approach this week. Um, and then, you know, ball striking as well. And I'm, I'm looking at a combination of both opportunities gained and also bogey avoidance. Um, you know, I, around the green doesn't matter to me as much for the reasons Brad mentioned, but if you can create opportunities for yourself and if you can avoid bogeys in general, that's always a great combination in a major. And just speaking about the rough that you mentioned, Matt, um, I, I was looking at some some research on this and, and somebody from the radio crew, the broadcast crew over there posted a video this morning on Tuesday morning and their color analyst has, has played in the open eight times. So they went out to the rough just to actually show people what it looks like. It's up to their knees. They drop a ball in there. You can't find it. There will be players this week who miss a shot wayward off the tee or around the green. And even with marshals there, I wouldn't be surprised if they just flat lose the ball because it is that long. Um, and the color analyst this week compared it to, he said the last time he saw rough this long was 1999 at Carnoustie, the infamous John Vandeveld year when he blew that lead and needed a triple bogey on 18 just to force a playoff. And then we wound up having Darren Clark win after starting the final round 10 strokes from behind. So, uh, you know, they nicknamed that Carnasty that year. So we will see if it plays out that way this year. But given that inside information from on the course and an eight time participant in this major championship, I am absolutely taking accuracy, accuracy, not only off the tee, but on approach play as well, extremely seriously this week. Yeah, Brad, I, I assume, you know, with this wind, we're going to get Gus. I'm looking at the nearest wind tower um, to where we're looking. And again, I've been kind of updating this fairly regularly. And, you know, basically on Thursday, it looks like kind of like between 15 and 18 mile an hour winds, but it does say gusts, you know, um, uh, up to 26 miles an hour. Now that is in the early part of the morning. Those gusts at four o'clock in the afternoon are down to kind of like 18 from 26. Now, I don't know if that really factors into what I'm going to be thinking or or how I'm going to be going uh, about all of this um, with everything. I mean, it, it, Brad, whenever we're talking about, you know, this, this wind and these gusts and these different things like that, I mean, what did what does that do to the type of player that you're trying to look at here? Is there any sort of skill set that you were really trying to identify? Because again, it does look like it's going to be, it does look like it's going to be windy and it looks like on the weekend, the forecast actually gets much worse. Yeah. So I, th I suppose a low ball flight is, is someone I would be looking more at people like Patrick Reed and Gary Woodland, perhaps, you know, maybe we'll come to them when we talk about picks later, but you know, I, I don't want someone who's just booming it high into the sky. Um, mm -hmm you know, and, and trying to stop it dead because uh, you're just not going to be able to if there's, you know, 50 mile an hour winds 
as it looks right now. Um, and I guess also, you know, more of the more of your experience grinders, right? Uh, you know, I keep saying mm-hmm. it, this, this, this is not going to be dartboard golf. You are going to have to plot your way around and think and strategize and, you know, be willing to just hit 18 pars if, if that's what it takes right, that right. day. So, you know, I get, yeah, experienced heads as well. All right. So as we take a look at the um, at the board here, John Rahm is your betting favorite plus 70 plus 750. Um, this is courtesy of BetMGM. Uh, Brooks Kepka 14, Xander Shoffley 16, Jordan Spieth 18, Justin Thomas 18, Rory 18, Dustin Johnson at 20, Louis Oosthuizen is at this, the beginning of this next tier at 28, Cantlay 28, DeChambeau 30, Hatton 30, Hovland 30, Morikawa 33, Fitzpatrick 33, Reed 33, and then everybody else 40 or longer. So you can kind of see where that top tier is. And then interestingly enough with Louis Oosthuizen kind of slipping into that top 10 as well. Uh, Steven, you already talked about the stats that kind of matter to you. I think we have a lot of over overlapping things. And uh, Brad actually talked some of the, about some of the stats that matter to him as well. Actually, uh, the two things I did add into my model this week, I have proximity from 75 to 100 yards added into mine just to see who's good at that, because some of these holes aren't all that long. Um, That doesn't mean they're going to be driving the greens or anything like that, especially with the wind conditions and the gusts and things like that. I mean, if this was flat wind and no wind whatsoever, we'd probably have some of these bombers that would be able to go attack the green on off the tee on on several of these holes. But that's not going to be the case. Um, So I think they're going to have a lot of short approach shots as well. So while I did emphasize the approach game, I also did just some of the shorter approach shots just to see who um who kind of excels in those type of things and especially like brad mentioned some of some of these guys having to get creative some of these shots needing to be kind of you know not necessarily the typical shots that you play on the pga tour week in and week out so i wanted to see uh who was kind of good at those and then i actually just i did add the uh just ball striking just in general as a stat to me as well to see who's been kind of uh, who's been doing well with ball striking. But outside of that, I think you and I are pretty simpatico on the stuff that we're looking at this week as far as um, as to what stats matter uh, as as far as the model stuff uh, goes this week. So, yeah, I mean, I've got off the tee approach around the green ball striking proximity 75 to 100 yards might add a category, you know, a little bit closer to we get there. But I tried to keep it as simple as possible, as you'll notice. Did not put anything in there about driving distance whatsoever. I don't care. I don't care how long you are on a course like this. Doesn't really matter. So, Brad, let's start at the top here. And as we look at this kind of top tier, where do where does your card start? And do any of these guys happen to make it into your top tier? And let me ask specifically about these guys that are very, very at the top, the Roms, Kepkas, Shoffleys, Spieths, Justin Thomases, Roy McElroys of the world here that are all 18 to one or shorter. And of course, Rom coming in at seven and a half to one over at BetMGM. Yeah. So, I mean, my card, it doesn't start till Patrick Reed, actually, around 35, all right. All right. you said. Um, so, so, I mean, just I'll just run through them quick. Rom. He was just short enough, basically, wasn't he? You know, eight mm-hmm. to one or whatever, right? He's obviously the best player in the world. He's good on links courses, but I mean, he's 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 
average for him on Link's courses. You know, he's gaining mm-hmm. one point eight strokes around on on Link's layouts, but that's that's how many he gains around anyway. Um, so it's not like he's particularly well suited for this, like maybe he was for for Tory Pines last month. Um, so just a eight to one. You know, I, th- I thought there was sort of nothing nothing to make him really worth a bet. Brooks Brooks. <sighs> Brooks is Brooks is a tough one as well. I, I did think long and hard about Brooks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's got great open form. He's he's obviously the best player in the world at majors. You know, I, I do believe that in that narrative. You know, but I think probably the best way to back Brooks is in the matchups um, because you know the model men who will be shaping these offshore matchup markets. Mm-hmm. They will be looking at all the strokes gain data, and obviously he's not as good week to week. But so you you will probably get Brooks as you know a chunky underdog against people near him in the in the outright betting like Speed like Xander like Thomas, um, and I, I think that's that's a good way to get on Brooks rather than as the second favourite. And then Spieth, I'm not sure Spieth is accurate enough. Um, you know, he's still a little bit wayward off the tee. Obviously, very good links player. Um, you know, he's going to have all the experience and he's going to be able to get up and down out of the out of the tough stuff. But is he going to hit enough fairways to actually post a winning score? I'm not sure with Spieth. Um, and then last one to talk about is, is JT. Again, he's he's a bit too wild. He's got that big miss in him. You know, someone like Aram, he, he's not going to be in the deep, deep rough that you're talking about. But I think JT's got one of them in him around. Um, you know, and if that's a treble, then he, he's probably out the running for the tournament. Um, so, yeah, started started with Reed, um, my car, just because he, he's got everything we talked about. He's, you know, he's got the low ball flight. He's got good links form. I've got him 10th in this field in... in Strokes gained on links courses. Um, you know he, he can win. We know he's probably he's probably one of the best winners in the field. So he, he just ticked all the boxes for me. All right, Stephen, let's head to you. This uh, this top tier. I think we all agree. I mean, so this is the difference between. I want to do a quick explanation here. Like you know, we're talking about a betting card here, and we're trying to look for value, and we're trying to look for things that we're you know would trigger a bet for us now. We would all agree John Rahm is the best player in the world right now as we sit recording this. Likely should be talking about him winning three tournaments in a row right now, you know, with the way that he's that he's the way that he's been playing. Um it's it, seven and a half to me, it's just not enough juice for a hundred and fifty-six golfer field in interesting conditions with, you know, like we're talking about that, you know, a couple of errant shots, you get into rough and he could play a great he could play great three and a half rounds and then just have a bad, you know, six hole stretch. And that could just be the end of his the end of his chances here with there being such a small what I consider. I mean, I, my predictions here is they're going to be very small window for era. I think the scores are going to be very, very, very high in relative relative to, um, you know, when I say high, I mean, you know, not very low. So <laughs> whenever we're talking about golf, you have to kind of specify what you're talking about. So, um, you know, for me, I think that that's just not enough juice for the squeeze there. Where did your card start? Did any of these guys in this upper tier make yours? Yeah, I actually want to talk about real briefly why I bet on John Rom previous to this week, but mm-hmm. would not bet him this week right now at plus 750 at BetMGM if I hadn't already bet him. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a few weeks ago, I guess it was last week, actually, um, he was out there at a couple spots at, at 10 to 1 still, which is slightly longer than what they were offering for his U.S. Open odds. And since then, I mean, going into the U.S. Open, he was the de facto winner of the Memorial. Let's be honest. If he didn't get COVID, he would have won the Memorial. He goes and wins the U.S. Open at 9-1 to odds. 
and then is in contention at the Scottish Open in the strongest field the Scottish Open has ever had. Uh, so for me to find a number that is a bit longer than what was offered before the U.S. Open mm-hmm. was still a bit of value to me. Now, the the ramifications of that is that now I'm going to be putting a little bit higher unit total into my outright betting card this week than I would have previously because I am betting somebody who is at the top of the board. But at plus 750 at this point, that is enough loss of value for me to not want to bet him mm. um, at this point. It's, it's more of a numbers thing for me. But I mean, I think all three of us would agree just in general, no player in the world is in better form right now. He is at or near the top of leaderboards consistently in each of his last three tournaments in strong fields. So um, with that being said, looking at the rest of the top of this board, you know, there are there are two models that I looked at this week. I looked at all the stats that we talked about in normal conditions, and then I looked at all the stats we talked about in windy conditions. Mm-hmm. And there are certain players who get penalized greatly in the model that I'm using for wind. And Jordan Spieth was one of those players. Uh, Just in general, he is number one in the world in the last 36 rounds played in strokes gained total. Um, He is near the top of the board in each of his last 50 rounds, 36 rounds, 24 rounds in the model that I'm using in, in normal conditions. But in windy conditions, he plummets. Uh, we're talking somebody who drops outside the top 50 in the model in windy conditions. So those are the types of things that I'm aware of in this Open Championship, looking for players who struggle a bit in wind. If it is really gusting, another player like that that we'll talk about later is Abraham Answer, another player who's near the top of the model but then plummets in really windy conditions. So, um, you know, not much interest in the top of this board. Uh, Spieth was a guy I was looking at, but because of the wind, I'm out on him. Uh, this is a really interesting odds board to me as we get down a little bit deeper, Matt, with some really big names at numbers that we have not seen for them in a long time. Yeah, I am. Um, so I'm going up on you guys here. I, I'm actually in on Spieth. He did make my card here um, a little bit better than what we're seeing at BetMGM right now, but not a ton better. I got 21 to 1 as opposed to 18 to 1. Look, I the other thing that I just took into account a lot more was just, a, you know, form and you know 11 finishes of t19 or better in his last 13 starts he in his six starts since he won at valero he's actually gained with his driver with his irons and around the green in all six of those events since he won at valero he's got three top tens over those six starts as well him and rory and brooks kepka are the only players with three top 10 finishes in the last five british opens that that, that have started as well and any seven for seven in british opens for in the british open championship for cuts made as well so speed for me as far as history on on these you know in this championship seven for seven making cuts he is in ex- pretty excellent form maybe only behind rom as far as as form goes in because again a lot of these guys at the top have not put together consistent performances over and over again outside of speed and rom and so for me i'm kind of just going with a little bit of history here going with recent form in Spieth and also the creativity factor that we have talked about that is going to come into play on what I consider to be one of these weird type courses like we've seen Spieth do that and we've seen the we've him we've seen him be able to kind of go 
man, how did he get that even relatively close? Like that guy's got some pretty good imaginative shots and he's got it pretty much all in his bag. So uh, he did make my card here. So um, Spieth at 21 to one is the first guy that made uh, my card as well. Guys, one of the pe- person person we did not talk about here is Dustin Johnson and none of us uh, none of us have him none of us have him on the card right now if you do kind of go into those windy condition models over the last 36 rounds Dustin Johnson's right there towards the top in pretty much everything he's third overall in total strokes gained uh, tee to green he's first overall ball striking he's first overall off the tee he's first overall he's 14th in strokes gained short game um, so we're, we're looking at a guy that is is checking the boxes over the last 36 rounds but Brad I assume with Dustin Johnson just the very recent form and what you've seen of him of late just uh just wasn't enough for him to make your card yes yeah it's just the form uh he's not really mm. done that much for uh, yeah, for a yeah. few months now um and you know it's not this isn't the place to find your game again uh, so that's another one of the things that comes up in the trends that you need to be playing well recently um you know you ideally you'll have won recently that that seems to be a you know, you, you want to come in here hot. Um, and just while we're on sort of this area, Bryson, mm. I thought, was a good one to fade, to be honest. Mm. Um, one of the things that Brooks was talking about today in his, his press, uh, you know, availability, he was saying how undulating the course was, um, especially the fairways, some of the greens as well. Like, um, And that's that's possibly one of the things Bryson struggled with. Um, he, he with his clubs all the same length. I think he's spoken about that at Augusta. He, he doesn't like all these sloping fairways and sort of hills and stuff because, you know, I guess the, the, the way he's built his swing, the way he's built his clubs, you know, he wants nice flat dartboard yeah. golf. Um, and he's not going to get that here. You know, he, obviously he's a brand new caddy on the bag as well. So um, I thought there was, there, was, there was quite a few reasons to oppose Bryson if you want to try and get at, at him in a matchup. Yeah, he is 30 to 1 at BetMGM. Steven, he was, I'm glad Brad brought him up because he was the next guy that I was going to yeah. hit right here. Um, I'm actually going up against him in every head to head that I can find. I think Bryson is the type of guy, and I don't think it's necessarily bad because, you know, if you do like him in a tournament, it's why his win equity is so high because he basically plays kind of YOLO golf, right? Like it's the, I play one way. And if it's working for me in that tournament, I'm going to be right there in the thick of things. And if it's not working for me that tournament, I might miss the cut. And like, you know, sometimes I like guys like that that are kind of all or nothing. It doesn't really, it's why I never play Bryson in derivative markets. It's always either an outright or pass with him because that's just kind of the way that he, he tends to play golf. This is going to be a fade tournament for me, especially now that we get this, this, this forecast here that pretty much every single one of the days it's 15 sustained with Gus up into the 20 plus. If we look out into the weekend, uh, you know, again, it's early, but Saturday and Sunday, Gus, 25 miles an hour up to 30 miles an hour on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, Bryson hitting that long, high ball flight. No, that's just not that's not going to play here. And it's not going to play here in these conditions. And then you're going to end up in that into what in one of those bunkers or in one of that, you know, that super long rough like you're talking about. And your day is going to be over. So I, I really do like the fate of Bryson this week a ton. 
Yeah, I was actually talking to our director and fearless leader, Brett Colson, before we started taping here about Bryson and just talking about how this is the low point in the odds for Bryson. The fact that we're getting him 30 to one in a major championship. And if that's enough to just, you know, take a sprinkle. And for all the reasons you guys have already mentioned, I I agree with you. Um, You know, just take away the windy conditions and the long rough. And we're talking about a player who. Um, has been frankly mediocre on approach in any of the last time periods that you want to talk about. Um, He has been outside the top 50 in strokes gained on approach in his last 50 rounds in windy conditions. Um, On top of that, last 36 rounds in windy conditions, he's 79th on strokes gained on approach. And we've already talked about how long the rough is here. This is not a bomb and gouge situation for Bryson DeChambeau to be able to take advantage of the short length of this course. He will lose balls if he tries to do that too much. So with that being said, I certainly still respect the talent that the man has. And this, to Mm -hmm. me, is a patented live betting outright market situation that I will monitor for sure. Because if his new caddy somehow convinces him to just take iron off of every tee at this course, then it might change a few things and might help his accuracy a little bit. We've seen big hitters in the past at Open Championships take that approach to have a lot of success. So um, I will be watching closely to see how he does early on if he's playing a little bit smarter golf on this link style course um, and, and maybe get a number maybe not as good as 30 to one in the live betting market, but at least I'll have that information of knowing whether he's playing smartly or not at Royal St. George's. And, and Brad, I don't want to belabor this, uh, this tier too much, but listen, this is where a lot of the action is going to be, right? This is where a lot of people are going to focus their, their attention. So I do want to at least hit on, on Rory as well, because this is a guy that again is, has had some success, of course. Um, that being said, I think he's going to be another fade for me this week, strictly because of who you're going to be able to get in head to heads against him. Like you're going to be able to get the Kepkas like we're talking about. And, and, and some of the guys that I like a little bit better, you might be able to find a ROM or even a speed or something like that against Rory this week. And, um, you know, listen, we talk about recent form and outside of that win that I just happened to have a dart throw on that week. Um, he hasn't looked all that great and he has not had four rounds of golf again, like just putting four back-to-back rounds together. It's just not really happened for him. And so I think this is a pretty prime opportunity as well. I mean, I'm seeing right now a head-to-head against Brooks where Brooks is only a minus 120 favorite against him in a, in a head-to-head and things like that. And I think that there's going to be some some pretty decent opportunities to to fade Rory in this as well. As well. Yeah, I I like the Rory fade as well. I mean, he, he played the Scottish Open last week, missed the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that's that's about as the as close as you're going to get to what what we're going to see this week. Um, and he just didn't show up at all. And then I think the other thing with Rory again, he seems to me another one who who likes it soft and likes it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it feels like when he wins the tournament, it's minus twenty. Um, and right, I just, right. that's that's probably not what we're going to have this week. It's going to be you know minus six, minus eight. I think is kind of the the vibe of of you know listening to people on the ground there. So yeah, I, I mean, if you can get Brooks, sort of, I think yeah, minus one twenty or so. I I think that's a very good bet personally. 
Yeah, that is something I'm going to be I'm going to be looking uh, all the Bryson, all the Bryson, all the Rory fades. I'm going to be going in head to heads against those guys at every opportunity that I can get. So if one of those guys wins a tournament, I'm going to have a very bad week just so that everybody knows that's going to be a bad week for me. I play pretty uh I play pretty all or nothing when it comes to these uh, to head-to-head matchups and things like that. All right, let's move into the middle tier right after a quick word from our friends over at BetMGM. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. So this middle tier does have some guys. And of course, uh, Brad already mentioned he's on Patrick Reed already. Uh, the Morikawa falls in here. We've got Casey at 40. We've got Fleetwood at 40. Scheffler at 40. Lowry at 40. Finau at 40. Berger, who we've seen win at 50. Uh, you know, uh, Lee Westwood at 50. Justin Rose at 50. So there's a lot of guys with win equity in this middle tier here, Stephen. Um, you know, when I talk about this all the time, like I want to bet guys that have win equity. I want to bet guys that we've seen that can win tournaments. Jason Day is sitting here at 66. Joaquin Neiman, who was right in the thick of things this past week, is 66. So a lot of guys that have win equity are kind of found in this middle tier here. Um, who was standing out to you? Who was kind of someone that was showing up in your models here in this middle tier? Two names that pop out to me towards the top of this middle tier, Victor Hovland and, and Colin Morikawa. I just have a hard time quitting Colin Morikawa, to be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, he is the godfather of my golf bankroll. But I yeah. mean, just with this model in particular this week, if you take all conditions, he ranks uh, in the top 10 in each of the last 50 rounds, 36 rounds, 24 rounds, you add wind into that equation, third over his past 50 rounds, second over his past 36 rounds, second over his past 24 rounds in windy conditions. So um, for to get a, a 33 to 1 right now at BetMGM, I think is, is a fair price. And Victor Hovland, you know, Matt, we've talked all year about how Victor Hovland is always near the top of our model. He is hard to ignore constantly, and he hasn't won. Well, now he has won on the European tour, at least. He is popping in these models again this week. And that doesn't even take into account his European tour win in the BMW International. Uh, so, you know, if he is this high up in the model in both windy conditions and calm conditions across all of the time spans, and it should be better if we were factoring in his European tour win, and that's hard to ignore for me. Yeah, uh, you want to talk about someone being the godfather of your bankroll. Victor Hovland has been the, the <laughs> downfall of mine here recently. I can't you talk about a guy that I can't quit that can't seem to uh, 
to win me any damn money. Um, if we look over at, at data golf, uh, Brad, it, you know, some of these guys start to really pop up as far as their win equity. You know, they have they put in a probability of, of winning and when they run through their, you know, their model that they have and they run through their simulations and John Rom at the top, as you would imagine, and some of the familiar names that we're all talking about here, Xander, Spieth, Kepka, all towards the top. But then we, then your guy, Patrick Reed, pops up really early. But then there's Morikawa, there's Hovland, there's uh, Fitzpatrick, there's Scheffler, there's Finau, Berger. All these guys are coming in kind of right, you know, after that top tier guys that we're talking about here. And all with the win equity kind of in that 2%-ish range throughout the course of their um throughout the course of their projections and, and simulations and things like that. So uh, some of these guys seem to be live through, you know, guys that are smarter than us that have built models and, you know, run all these different simulations and things like that. Uh, outside of the uh, outside of Reed, who you said you already have in the account, anybody here in this tier also kind of making your account that maybe are, are a little bit further down the board? Yeah, I quite like Cantley. Um, mm-hmm. Another one who's, who's- Pretty solid on on Lynx courses. He's gaining about one and a half strokes per round over 25 rounds there, so a decent sample size. And he's kind of that precise iron player that we talk about. Like, you know, if if the game here is stick it to within 15, 20 feet and two putt and move on, um, I, I, you know, there's not many in this field better than than Cantlay. Obviously, he, he's won recently, um, aided by John Rahm and, and his COVID. But, you know, he, he's got decent enough form and he, and he should be good on links as well. I th- my concern with Morikawa and Hovland is both of them is the short game. Both of them, mm-hmm. the chipping around these, you know, these undulating greens. Um and and no no open form whatsoever for either of them. So, you know that that was enough to keep me off them. Just enough questions there. You know this is again. Well, I do think experience is going to be important. And and Hovland and Morikawa have have none of it basically at the at the open. So uh, that that was enough to keep me off them. But I thought Cantlay uh, could could be an interesting one. Yeah, I certainly agree with you on that. And I Hovland was interesting to me, but I have not added him to my betting card. And, and Morikawa, I think I might just have some internal bias on that. But everything you said about those two, I totally agree with. Um, one guy that we haven't mentioned yet that for reasons that I agree with that Brad mentioned earlier, Daniel Berger at 50 to 1 is interesting to mm-hmm. me in these windy conditions. Um, he is he He has been in great form this year. Um, when you turn up the wind, he gets even better in the model. Um, he is near the top of the model in both moderate and very windy conditions. And if you only put very windy conditions, he's even higher. So he's got that low ball flight that that we like, that Brad and I both like in situations like this. Um, over his last 24 rounds in uh, normal conditions, he is fourth in the model. Last 24 rounds in windy conditions. He is fifth in the model, so um, and he gets better if you get bigger sample size on top of that. So Daniel Berger, fifty to one to me, I thought was a was a pretty attractive price. I will tell you who I have in this tier, guys, and laugh away. I'm ready to be laughed off the podcast right now, but I've played Ricky Fowler um, in this in this uh, in this tier. Now, better, a little bit better number. I played him a few weeks ago, and so he's sitting at 66 right now over at BetMGM. I think mine's at 81 or something like that on him. But you go to these, and you know, we keep bringing up these windy condition things, and it's because it is a skill to play 
in these super windy conditions. It is, you, as Brad mentioned at the very top of the show, you don't want to have this super high ball flight. You do want to be able to figure out how to play with low trajectory. You do want to be able to figure out how to roll the ball a lot more than it is, you know, like like Brad said, the, the playing the dartboard golf. You know, we're going to see guys rolling the ball a ton more than you than you see on the PGA Tour and stuff like that. And you look at Ricky Fowler and you look at the under windy conditions. Last thirty six rounds played in in super windy conditions. Tenth overall in the field in strokes gained uh, total. First overall in the field. First overall in this field, strokes gained tee to green. Sixth overall in ball striking. 12th off the tee. 15th approach. 18th around the green. So you're looking at a guy in super windy conditions over the last 36 rounds that is inside the top 20 in this field in just about every one of the categories that I am, that I find important this week and the stuff that I really value this week. Now, we understand he has putted like crap over the past, you know, couple of years on tour, a few years on tour. And I imagine to win this tournament, someone's going to have to kind of find a little bit of magic with the putter because we we imagine you're going to need one of those putts to fall that that just doesn't necessarily fall because I, I'm like you, Brad. I think this is a five under, six under, seven under type winning score. So you're going to need to you need to have a couple of putts fall to to not only stay in that range, but maybe to get a little bit under. And uh, I understand the, the woes with the putter, but I don't weigh the putter that often whenever, you know, I, that's the thing that comes and goes with a lot of guys. And that's a lot of things. That's one of those things that can get hot over the course of, you know, two or three days and, and really get you in contention. So for me, uh, Ricky Fowler is 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 in the card this week, and I got to be honest with you, I don't feel half bad about it. I, I kind of like I kind of like it if we're if we're being perfectly honest. I know you guys haven't laughed me off quite yet, Stephen. What do you think about about Ricky Fowler? I mean, I can't laugh at it at the price. I I mean, I, I at sixty six to one. There's a couple of other guys currently that I think I would like a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if, if given the choice between the two, I'd rather just take Berger at 50 to one than Fowler at 66 to one. But you got a better number on that. And we tell yeah. people all the time, you know, find the best price. So I can't argue with all the metrics you just said for sure. Um, do I think that he is likely to break this years long drought in a major championship? No, but hey, if there's a major to do it, it might be this one in shorter conditions and, and short game comes into play a little bit as well. So, um, you know, I can't knock it, man. I mean, the, the numbers are there. The data is there. So I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to be the guy that knocks it right now. And then come Sunday, I'm like, you know, just just getting crushed because I, I knocked your uh, your hot take. So you know, I don't mind it one bit, man. Let's go. All right, Brad. So um, you have uh, you've been pretty good at picking some of these long shots for these tournaments. These uh, guys that were at least you've had some guys that you've mentioned that have at least been in the in contention, right? And and that gives you a chance to get creative with your live betting and stuff like that. Um, let's talk about some of the longer shots and who. Who do you have in the account and who do you like? Who do you at least say like, okay, I, I, I took a long, hard look at this dude. Maybe didn't quite make my account. Maybe makes my account before they, they tee off on Thursday. Um, I have to say, I've, I've not really found much in the way of long shots this week, to be honest. Um, I, I, I don't know why. Um, you know, same, yeah. same process yeah. I always go through, but just fewer popping for me. One, I, I did have a small bet and was Charlie Hoffman. Um I mean, not not huge odds. I'd, I'll have to check what he is currently. But, um, you know, he, he was one that popped up in Link's form and popped up in recent form. 
Um, yeah, and that, that was it, to be honest. I, I, mm. I couldn't really, I couldn't find many standouts. I'll, I'll have to leave those to you, I'm afraid. Yeah, I I, mean, I don't have a ton either, Stephen. Did you find anybody? Um, Hoffman actually sitting 150 to 1 right now over at BetMGM. Uh, Stephen, did you find anybody kind of in this 80 or longer range? I mean, there are some names here when we talk about win equity. There are guys who have won and have won recently and have won on tour or in Europe this year. I mean, we have Phil Mickelson, who has won this year. We have Kokrak, who has won twice this year. We have Sam Burns, who has won this year. We have Garrick Higo, who has won this year. So there are people with high win equity that are found in this uh, longer shot range. Garrick Higo hasn't only won. He's won three times this year, if you count the European Tour events as well. So, um, you know... With the Open Championship and these long shots, I think if we need to sometimes look beyond the data a little bit because mm-hmm. the the models that we're using skew heavily towards the PGA Tour. In fact, I don't think there's any European Tour data in there. So right. um, if, if you have guys that are kind of split in time between both tours, then you need to kind of get a little bit creative in, in trying to find some value on some guys. So uh, Higo at 80 to one is a little short for me in a field this strong. Uh, and despite those wins in weaker fields, um, he hasn't really contended in the majors that he's played. So one guy at a longer price that is interesting to me is Guido Migliazzi of Italy at 125 to one. Mm-hmm. He has three runner-up finishes on the European tour this year, finished fourth at the U.S. Open, and then finished 13th at the Travelers. Uh, last week, he finished 35th at the Scottish Open. It's a very, very small sample size from his couple of PGA Tour events, but they were at least recent events. And if you look at his strokes gained on approach data, again, very small sample size, but it would trail only Colin Morikawa in terms of how many strokes he's gaining on approach. So at 125 to one for an outright, is it likely to happen? Of course not. It's a long shot, but maybe a maybe a sprinkle there. And then you can also get him at five to one to top 20 or plus 225 to top 40 at BetMGM and ties get paid out in full, which is the best part about those bets at BetMGM. Yeah, I uh, he actually has made he's on my 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 list here of guys to to look deeper into. While I don't have a bet in currently, he is one of those guys that is is listed here for me to look into deeper. Maybe it's one of those I play him more on a in derivative markets or something like that. But I do have him to kind of be a guy that I want to get a little bit more get a little bit more insurance uh, get a little bit more uh, information on here. So. Let's talk here about, um, you know, my boy and and let's not get out of this range without talking about my 80 to one Sam Burns right here, guys. 80 to one on Sam Burns. Um, Look, he just went over to the Scottish Open T18 there, um, 68, 67, 66 to finish out at the Scottish Open. Um. This is a guy, young dude, super powerful, seems to have all the shots, seems to have all the skills. And he's also one of those guys, like I'm talking about, that the win equity is there. I wouldn't play him in derivative markets necessarily, but like at 80 to one, if I'm just talking like, can the guy go and win or miss the cut? 
I'd almost rather a guy like that, right? And that's kind of what I'm looking for in a burn. It's what I'm looking for specifically in these outright plays a ton. It's just, you know, can they go win the tournament or can they just like, you know, miss the cut because they're trying so hard to win the tournament? I think Burns kind of fits that that tier right here. Not a ton of uh, data to back up the anything, Stephen, because we are, you know, again, we're not a ton of data just on him in general when it comes to Burns. That being said, when I ran my model over the last 24 rounds, he does come in 17th in the field overall for me. And again, that's weighing the off the tee, the approach, the around the green, the ball striking, the proximity 75 to 100, whatever. He comes in 17th in my model. And of course, he's way further than 17th down the board as far as odds go um, for him. And so I, I tend to do a little bit of blending of the model and just common sense type stuff here. And uh, Burns at 17th overall and getting it 80, 80 to 1 on him or longer if you shop around a little bit. Uh, I think there's some pretty good value on him there. Yeah, he's 22nd in, in my model over the mm-hmm. last 24 rounds, and he's uh, 43rd over the last 36. So it's a recent Ford type situation mm-hmm. with, with Sam Burns. And um, he's a guy who I probably don't put as much emphasis into the windy conditions because. Um, you know, he definitely gets knocked when I adjust the model for windy conditions, but we're talking about tournaments that date back well before he was in yeah. anywhere near the form he was in now. So I, I have to toss that situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you with how volatile he is. I mean, I think he withdrew from the U.S. Open, so that, that was over real quick for us. Um, but he's a guy that I would not touch in derivative markets or head-to-heads, but you know, if you want to do a little bit of a sprinkle on the outright, he certainly showed that he can not only contend in an event, which he did at the Genesis, but he can also win an event as well, which he did on the PGA Tour this year. All right. Uh, all right, Brad, let's head into our cards here. Let's uh, let's talk about what you what you have already you know, guys, maybe that you're fading any head to heads that you're looking at three balls, whatever it might be, any of these derivative markets. And, uh, you know, if there's a couple of players just so that we give people a little bit bigger of a pool here, if there's a few players that maybe didn't quite make your card yet, but like you did, you were at least taking a, a hard look at. Yeah. So the, the, the two, two big ones I bet were Reed and Cantley. They're my favorite outrights. Um, I'll just jump into a couple of matchups, I bet. One which you talk about with Ricky Fowler. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like the Fowler angle. Um, he, is, he is a good win specialist. He is good on Lynx courses. Last time when they played the Open here, he was uh, T5, I believe. So, you know, he's played here before, which, you know, a lot of players in the field won't have. Um, and uh, that is valuable. Uh, again, mm-hmm. Brooks was talking about the amount of blind shots you have to hit into green. So to have played four championship rounds here, that, that will be key. So I liked Ricky in the matchup over Jason Day. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at around 2.28 Mm-hmm. Or plus 128 at the minute so some, some decent plus money in <laughs> two golfers you know I, yeah, I would have priced yeah. very, very similarly to be honest um, sort of both both, both veterans on the, on the downside who are you know decent on, on links um, then another one I liked was Mark Leishman over Abraham Anser um, again this is one where you know if you just looked at strokes gain approach stats and stuff like that Answers probably clearly the better player, but um, they're they're quite different golfers on links courses. Like Leishman is is an open specialist. Um, I mean, you know, he's had he's had three top sixes uh, at the Open since two thousand and fourteen. So 
he's very good at links golf. He, he's very good at majors in general. He seems to seems to time his games specifically. Um, and again, his his stats will look bad because last year he was, I think, he was basically injured. Uh, I think he had a back injury, um, and and his, his results have been a lot better recently. And on the other side of that, answer, he's one of I've got him 69th in this field in strokes gained on links courses. So you've got one link specialist against a non-link specialist. Um, and again, good plus money on Leishman. You probably get around one plus 130 on him. So those were two matchups I liked as well. Who is your, who's made your card so far, Stephen? And uh, any head-to-heads, any derivative markets, any anything that uh, the listeners might want to hear? Sure. So uh, I will start this in, in the way I've been doing these for the major championships for the casual betters out there that uh, may want to just you know put $100 on the outright market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should say for me personally, I've expanded that to a, a $200 with the 10 to 1 I found on John Rahm. So I did put an extra 100 on him at those 10 to 1 odds, which are gone at this point. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the $100, uh, I'm going to put $30 on Colin Morikawa at 33 to 1. And basically each of these golfers at the amounts would pay out around $1,000 uh, if they hit. So uh, Colin Morikawa at, at 33 to 1. Um, one guy that we haven't talked about, Louis Oosthuizen, I bet at 40 to 1. Um, mm-hmm. That number is gone. Sometimes in a major championship, you're, you're going to get better numbers ahead of time, and that's what I look for. I, I wouldn't bet him at the 28 to 1 that he's at now, but, um, you know, runner-up finishes in each of his last two majors. I'm not sure that he has the, the the mental mindset to close it out if he's in a close tournament. I make that bet hoping he's got a five-stroke lead on the last hole. Uh, so Louis Oosthuizen at 40 to 1. Daniel Berger at 50 to 1. Um, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on, on Guido Migliazzi at 125 to 1. And I do agree with Brad on Abraham Answer. Uh, I believe he is, yep, 80 to 1 at BetMGM. He is a guy, if the wind is not blowing too, too much, that he does very well in the model that I have this week across all time spans, last 50, last 36, last 24 rounds. If it is really blowing and really gusting, he has struggled. But if it's just moderate wind, he's still near the top of the model. So uh, Abraham Answer will will find my outright card as well with the rest of the names I mentioned. Yeah, my card, um, you know, again, not uh, incredibly deep right now. I do have, like I said, I started this thing off with with Jordan Spieth. Um, I really like Jordan this week. I'm going to have... Pretty, pretty good amount of money invested in him, not only in outright market here. I'm going to play derivatives as well with him. I'm going to sprinkle this thing out in the top 10s, in the top 20s, top 30s, things like that. Try to find some of these other exotic markets to play him in as well. Uh, I talked about Ricky Fowler. Really enjoy what I see out of his uh, win statistics, his success here, playing links courses, playing this particular course. All of that really does kind of play into what I'm looking for in guys this week and man it is uh you know this is this could be a very tricky course we're gonna need dudes and that's the other thing about you know ricky fowler for me that i really do like about him this week is look there is going there are going to be times where this gets 
frustrating for people, right? I mean, like this is the the wind's going to gust at a time that they didn't expect it to gust. It's going to blow a shot off of they're going to end up in one of those bunkers like Brad talks about. They're going to end up in, you know, the the cut, the, the the thick cut even though they they hit a fairway or something like that. I mean, it's it's going to happen, you know, and Ricky Fowler is about as cool, calm, and collected a dude there is on the face of the planet. Like he's just gonna go, gonna go about his way. It's not gonna bother him in the least bit. And so, um, really, really do like that a ton out of him. So have him pretty, pretty invested in him as well. Um, a couple of other guys here that, like I said, Sam Burns gonna get a little bit of love for me in the outright market. Really do like Sam Burns when it comes to to what he brings at the number that you're going to be able to get him at is another guy that I really do uh, like in this field. And then the other thing that I think is 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 you know I'm not gonna be able to ignore. So this is not made my card yet, guys. But uh, you know, again, guys that are between now and when this thing tees off on Thursday, look. I can't ignore that Justin Thomas continues to one rank super highly in these models that I'm building Two has all the shots that I'm talking about. He talks about how he loves to hit those, those low stingers and he practices them all the time and all the stuff like that. And if we talk about, you know, some of these guys that can be magicians on the course and, and do things with the ball that, you know, really shape it and do interesting things and still get it close to the pin. I mean, we've seen Justin Thomas do it time and time again, again, hasn't made the card quite yet but probably a guy that will. And uh, other guy I had down written down to take a big hard look at it. It was the first guy that Brad talked about was Patrick Reed, because say this ends up playing ridiculously tough. Just is he's like the ultimate grinder. I, I'm going to hate my life having to root for Patrick Reed. I don't want to have to root for him to do well. I do not like his face. I think he has probably the most punchable face on all of the, on all of the PGA tour, <laughs> but like, I just can't, I can't help the fact that whenever we're talking about, if it's going to be just a nasty slog, a grind out there, uh, he has that type of game that gets it done. So, um, couple of other guys that I think probably end up making my card right there. And as we mentioned, big fades for me on Rory, big fades for me on Bryson. I'm going to be playing against them in every head-to-head opportunity that I can. I'm probably going to bet both of them to miss the cut as well at big plus money um, and only have to hit one of the two to, for that to be a profitable bet if either one of the guys don't happen to make the cut. Um, probably going to play that that number as well. I just don't like the form from Rory. I don't like the game that Bryson brings to this type of course and this type of uh, this type of situation. So that's the card for me as we head into the week. Uh, Steven, final thoughts here before we let everybody go. Just enjoy it. I mean, I love this event. We love major championships. Um, I think just hit the bullet points we talked about in this tournament, you know, favor accuracy over power in this tournament. And like Brad said, look at some links form in the past and how they've done in open championships. So I think this this could be one of the tougher open championships we've seen. But with that being said, it still should be under par. But I mean, we're not looking at a 15 under par finish here in my mind. I think we're looking at single digits. Yeah. Closing thoughts for me. Pay attention to the weather and pay attention to the weather right up until tee off and see if it really does favor one of the flights where the the morning conditions or the afternoon conditions look to be much, much better because that might be all you need is to look and do like that. And and if these guys have a big time advantage on one of these on one of these flights, you know, go in, find you a golfer or two that you were kind of looking at anyway, and go ahead and add them to your card because you're going to feel stupid 
if you don't do that. So kind of some closing thoughts there for me. Brad, some final thoughts from you, my man. Uh, don't overthink it. Don't, you know, the, the winner's probably going to be one of the best golfers in the world. So, uh, you know, mm. don't, don't go betting six hundred twenty to one shots. Uh, because, because, you know, they're, they're good in the wind, right? They're, they're, it's, this is a, a proper test of golf and uh, one of the best is probably going to win it. Uh, guys, as always, we'll have a ton of written stuff over at the lines, over at Play Picks as well. So go in, be sure and take advantage of all that free content and the YouTube page as well. Um, all the content on the YouTube page is absolutely free. We talk about shopping around and so and all that. If you do need an account, at any of the books that we've talked about here, you can find that over the lines, best sign up bonuses and things like that as well. So be sure and take advantage of all that stuff because the sports books don't give you very many opportunities to get one over on them. If they're going to give you free money, you should definitely take free money from them. That is the uh, that is the number one key to sports betting here. If they're going to give you free money, be sure and go ahead and take it for Brad for Steven. I'm Matt. Good luck on all your bets for the open. 